turn with me, if you would, for a short time this evening to Ezekiel chapter 37. Ezekiel chapter 37. And we wish to take as our text this evening, verse 28, and the heathen shall know that I, the Lord, do sanctify Israel, but my sanctuary shall be in the midst of them forevermore. So on. We have been going through some of the texts in the book of Ezekiel. And if you recall how at the beginning and the early part of this chapter, there was the valley of the dry bones. It signified where Israel was at this time. She was like a valley of dry bones. Ezekiel the prophet was wholly concerned about this. And Ezekiel and Jeremiah and these prophets weren't concerned, as we've said before, because they were simply nationalists. It's the scribes and the Pharisees that were nationalists. Ezekiel wasn't concerned for Israel just because Israel was a nation. They were Israel, they were they were uh, concerned for Israel, most certainly from a national point of view, because, because they were it was their nation. And just like anyone uh, would have a concern for their own nation, their own people. So these prophets had a concern for their own people, Israel and Judah to the south. But that wasn't why they were so concerned. They were concerned because when Jerusalem was destroyed, what did that say about God's covenant promise to Abraham? And in the end, in thy seed shall all the nations of the earth be blessed. It was the covenant. It was God's promise that was their great concern. Israel, as a nation, and Judah uh, to the south, these tribes have been given a promise by God that the Messiah would come from uh, his people the tribes of Israel. And it was the promise and God's covenant promises that were particularly the concern of these prophets. Now, you imagine the children of Israel like dry bones, dead bones. That's the way it was. It rep these dead bones in the valley of dead bones, they represented where Israel was at. What could the prophets do? What could Ezekiel down in captivity, the one prophet to the uh, those in captivity? Daniel is in the palace, but Ezekiel alone is prophesying to those in captivity. While Jerusalem at the, J Jeremiah at the same time is prophesying in Jerusalem. What could they do? Who could rescue the situation? But of course. What man cannot do, God is able to do. He was able to revive once again the, the dry bones and make the dry bones to be a living army. My friend, before we go any further, isn't that a wonderful encouragement to us this evening? Isn't it a wonderful encouragement to God's people to know that God can bring an army out of dry bones? out of the valley of dry bones. 
And what an encouragement it was to Ezekiel to know that God remembered his covenant promise and that God's covenant promises would never fail. Israel would be brought back again. She would be revived. And ultimately, there would be a great blessing for her, for God's people. And he is pointing forward, I believe here in the latter part of this, to the coming of Messiah. What greater encouragement could Ezekiel have than to know that God would still raise up a Messiah, the seed of Abraham, that one seed, Abraham's seed, singular, that there would be one who would be raised up, who would richly bless God's people. When you come to the latter part, you discover, I think, something of, of the times of the Lord Jesus Christ. I say that because, when, as we are going to see in a moment, he speaks about one king. He speaks about the covenant of peace, a new covenant that he would make with the people of God, a covenant of peace. So let's then take a look and see uh, uh, what uh, we are told here. One of the first things that, that is brought before you is the fact that there would be a uniting spirit. God would unite his people once again. He would bring them once again and, uh, and they would be, uh, thus saith the Lord, he, he does it by way of two sticks. It's the last of the great practical sermons, if you like, that Ezekiel is now going to give. He's given many. Even his own wife dies. It's a sign that Jerusalem would be destroyed. My friend, what a dedicated prophet this is. Even his beloved wife dies as a sign. The Lord tells him that. But now in the encouragement, he says, take two sticks and write on, write on one stick, uh, uh, the stick of Joseph, which is in the hand of Ephraim and the tribes of Israel, his fellows, and put there, and on the other stick, take Judah in one hand. Take a stick of Judah in one hand and the stick of Joseph on the other hand, and they shall become one stick. See, there's a promise here. There's a promise here that not just Jew and Gentile would be brought together. But there's a promise here that when the Messiah comes, the Jews themselves would be united together behind him. My friends, is that wonderful? The cross is the great uniting force in this world. It, this, it, it, it unites, in the one hand, Herod and Pilate against Christ. They were united that day together. They became friends against the Lord Jesus Christ. There's a great uniting force that's out there in this world against the gospel, against the Lord Jesus Christ, against the church. My friend, there is nothing that will unite man against the truth than the gospel of Jesus Christ. It unites them. They can be, they can be at odds in many things. Islamists, Romanists, Muslims, Jehovah's Witnesses, all these 
LGBTs, uh, Stonewall, all different religions, different thoughts, but yet united together against the Lord Jesus Christ. That happened at the cross, didn't it? When you have the greatest religion that man can devise, the greatest religion that man could ever put forward other than Rome, the religion of Romanism today, the equivalent of it, the scribes and the Pharisees of the Lord's day, the greatest religion, and yet it unites with the people against Christ. You have Herod and Pilate, you have the people, you have you have the civil authorities, you have the people, you have the religion, all against Jesus Christ. But just as the cross unites the enemies against the, the, the Lord, so it is that the cross is the great uniting factor bringing God's people together. It brings Jew and Gentile, he says here, and the heathen shall know. This is not just something that Israel will know, but he says in verse 28, and the heathen shall know that I, the Lord, do sanctify Israel. In other words, the heathen will come to learn what the cross is all about. But it's not just Jew and Gentile that will be united together. It's Israel to the north and Judah to the south. If you think of the great history of Israel, going back to Solomon, David and Solomon, under David, the tribes are brought together. And for 33 years, he, he rules over the, all the tribes of Israel. And so it is true also with Solomon. Israel is united as, as a people. But on the death of Solomon, you have Jeroboam and Rehoboam. And Jeroboam to the north rebelling and taking with him the ten tribes. These ten tribes, from then on, will be called sometimes Israel. The ten tribes to the north, the majority of Israel. Israel. Sometimes they're called Samaria. Sometimes Ephraim. Because it is from Ephraim that Jeroboam himself comes. It is from Ephraim that Jeroboam, it is in Ephraim that their, 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 their uh, royal city is to be found. So often you will find Israel to the north called Ephraim, the ten tribes. But then you've got Judah in the south, along with Benjamin, some of Simeon. You have Judah in the south and his brethren. And what you find after Jeroboam and the splitting from, of Rehoboam, you, found, you find great animosity that prevails between the two. Animosity between Israel and Judah in the south. You find how strange. These tribes are so, so close together these tribes so closely related to each other, yet what antagonism there is between Ephraim in the north and Judah in the south. Even when the Lord Jesus Christ comes. And this 
bringing them together begins with the return to Jerusalem. But, but then even by the time Christ comes, that enmity is still there. Judah in the south, in her pride, regards Galilee and Bethlehem, Galilee in the north. They're what you would call the sort of ignorant country people. The Judah in the south, they're proud. Proud. But what is forecast here? And what is foretold here that God is going to do? He is going to take Israel in the north, and he's going to take Judah in the south, and he's going to unite them together. And my friends, that happens at the cross, isn't it? It's the cross. When you go to the Acts of the Apostles, for example, you see something of that taking place with the coming of the Lord Jesus Christ in chapter 2 of the Acts of the Apostles. And that on the day of Pentecost, there came a, a sound from heaven as a rushing mighty wind. The dead bones are going to be brought to life. The dead bones are going to become an army. There appeared cloven, uh, uh, cloven tongues like it's a fire. And they were all filled with the Holy Ghost and began to speak with other tongues as if the Spirit gave them utterance. And there were dwelling at Jerusalem Jews, devout men of every nation under, under heaven. Uh, every, every, and behold, are these not Parthians and Medes and Elamites and the dwellers in Mesopotamia and in Judea and Cappadocia and Pontus and Asia, Phrygia and Pamphylia and in Egypt and in the parts of Libya and Cyrene and strangers of Rome, Jews and proselytes together? You see, the gospel, the, the cross, is that great unifying force, isn't it? It brings these tribes in the north to be united with the tribes in the south. Something that for hundreds of years not happened. Hadn't happened. But now the cross at Calvary, Jesus Christ unites those who before were enemies. Remember the time when what we had here, a, a, a man from Northern Ireland, and he hated the IRA. He hated the IRA because the IRA had murdered his father. He could remember the very day, a sunny, I think it was a Saturday, a sunny day, his father in the morning taking him a walk in the park. That afternoon, the IRA shot him dead. He was a policeman, a policeman in in Northern Ireland, and he hated the IRA. They were the sworn enemy because of what they had done. And he himself ended up in prison, the maze prison. He ended up in prison. And while he was in prison, someone sent him a tract from Australia. I don't know to this day who sent him. He didn't know anybody in Australia. They sent him a tract, and he was gloriously converted. I read what a sight it was for that man to be sitting in prison having a Bible study with IRA members who had themselves been condemned. Sworn enemies. And yet here they were in the prison joining together in a Bible study 
the gospel, the cross had united them together. The cross had crossed over these boundaries. And now he discovered that there were IRA members who had been converted in prison. And they now together were united by the Spirit of God. They were united in the gospel. My friend, what a wonderful uniting force the cross is. You remember how at the cross, there is John, his disciple. There is Mary, his mother. And he says to, to, to his mother, Behold thy son, John. And to John, behold thy mother. Such was the unity that was brought at the foot of the cross that Mary and John, it was as though they were united together as one. My friend, is that not true of every believer? Every single believer brought into the kingdom of our Lord Jesus Christ, they become one with all of God's people, one spirit with all of God's people. Even the Jews, Jeroboam, Rehoboam, even those who had been at, at enmity with each other are now united at the foot of the cross. That's true of every, isn't it? It's not just Jew and Gentile. It's even the Jews themselves. United. Spiritually united. But look also, it doesn't only bring them to be, to be one. It brings them that they would be with one king. Verse 21. David, my servant, shall be king over them. And they shall all have one shepherd. They shall walk in my judgments and observe my statutes. Here is a wonderful promise, not just that, that the cross would unite, but that his servant David. I pray that's not King David. King David is dead. And King David will remain in the grave. David was but a type of the one who was to come. He was but a type of, of the Lord Jesus Christ. And they would, the, the, the children of Israel who in the north had Jeroboam, their kings fell away. They didn't even keep the line. You notice in the north, there was no line going right back to, to, to David. The line in the north became absolutely corrupted. But in the south, the scepter did not depart out of the south. The south kept their king. But here you have two people, one with a king in the north, one with a king in the south, one following Jeroboam, the other following Rehoboam. Two different kings, two different people. And they would be united under one king, the Lord Jesus Christ. Wonderful today to think that the king, who is the head of the church, has such power and authority as we saw this morning. When he spoke, they said, what manner of words is this? No man spake like this man. He speaks with authority. And then he comes down from the mountain, and there is a leper. He cleanses the leper. The leper says, if thou wilt, I will be thou cleansed. 
and his immediate effects. Then he, 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 he heals the, the centurion's young servant of the palsy. He doesn't even see him. He just said, oh, your servant is, is, is cleansed. He's, he's well. He's well. And he comes into Peter's mother's house and he doesn't even, he's not even asked. He just goes and he touches her. She's got a fever. And when he touches her, she's up like that, working away, ministering to them. The fever is completely gone. Then he goes out into a boat. It's a storm and they come to him and lacking faith. It's a truly was wonderful faith. The Lord hasn't seen such faith. But then he goes into the boat and, and when he's there, he sees so weak faith in the midst of the storm. What does he do? Peace. He's still. He rebukes the winds and the sea. What manner of man is this? No. What manner of prophet? This is not just a, a unique. What manner of person is this that can even command the winds and the sea? And out come the gatherings. They're beyond all. They're foaming at the mouth. They're filled with spirits. Imagine. It tells you something, doesn't it, of the depth of the human soul. That there can be such evil spirits in that one soul as to enter into 3,000, into, the, into the, these two men. Such evil spirits are in them that it enters into 3,000. Swine. So as you can see, that the Lord stands and these evil spirits they ask his permission. They ask him because they know. My friend, think of the king of the church. I will set my servant David over this united people. There is no rebellion of Jeroboam. There is no rebellion of Rehoboam. I will set Jesus Christ as the head of the church. What a pope. Not anybody, not any, not any, any minister or bishop or anything else. I will say, Jesus Christ, my servant David, and he will be their king. What a wonderful encouragement here to Ezekiel. He's seeing dead bones. He's seeing a valley that's 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 filled with dead bones. Now he's being told. That God will make this a mighty army. He will revive his cause. And he will set over them such a king as they had never seen before. David was but a shadow of the king who would come. And David's borders, the greatest borders, they, they, they would, his borders would be, and his authority and his power, Ezekiel must have been thinking to himself, what a wonderful blessing this is. That David, one even like unto David, should be raised up. The cross unites God's people. And the cross provides the authority and the power to God's people. 
It is the power of the cross unto salvation to everyone that believeth. To the Jew first, but also to the Gentile. It is the power of that cross that spreads forth. There would be one king. But not only would there be one king, there would be one nation. I've heard one church. One church. Moreover, I will make a covenant of peace, and it shall be an everlasting covenant with them. I will place them and multiply them. I will set my sanctuary in the midst of them forevermore. There would be one king and one nation. It's not wonderful, isn't it? There is really only, truly, one church. Ah, there are different churches. And of course, there are different denominations and everything else. But ultimately, the church belongs to Jesus Christ. It is God's church. It is his church. He will make them a nation that they have never been like before. He will make a covenant of peace with them. That wonderful book. There was a covenant in the Old Testament. Do this, and then they had to <clears throat> fulfill the sacrifices. But really, the sacrifices were looking forward. It wasn't a covenant of works, it was a covenant of faith, grace. Abraham was saved by faith. We'll maybe take a look at that sometime. It would be worth a study of it, looking at the Old Testament. It's the one covenant of grace. And here is an administration of it. Where they had to do this, they had to do that, they had to do the other. And it was all pointing to the fact that the Savior, they needed the Savior. But now, they're out in Babylon. There they are out in Babylon. They're down in, they're down in captivity. Jerusalem has been destroyed, as Ezekiel said it would be. God says, I will be a little sanctuary to you down in Babylon. That's what he does. He rises off the, 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 the temple. He goes down into Babylon and a little sanctuary to them. And the cut will come back. And the second temple won't be anything like the first temple, but at least they're back in Jerusalem. Look what he says here. I will make a covenant of peace with them. In other words, the covenant that, that, that is now with, with the coming of the Messiah, he is the prince of peace. He brings peace. He is the one that will reconcile his people to God. They cannot do it themselves. But he will come and he will publish peace through the gospel. Publish peace through the gospel. And it shall be an everlasting covenant with them. This covenant will never fail. It will never stop. King David, my servant, he, he, he will come and he will make them a nation. He will establish with them the covenant of grace. That shall never, that shall never fail. And I will place them and multiply them, set my sanctuary 
in the very midst of them. That's the important thing, isn't it? That he would set his sanctuary, not Jerusalem, not in a place, but it would be in the very midst of his people. The high priest would walk throughout the nation, the kingdom. It would be a kingdom that he would establish, and he would establish it, and the sanctuary would be in the very midst of them. My friend, the sanctuary, God's sanctuary, is in the midst of God's people this evening. The high priest, the sacrifices, all that Christ has done is set before us in the gospel of his son, Jesus Christ. The blood of Jesus Christ that cleanseth from all sin is in the very midst of its people. You don't need to go to Jerusalem once a year because in the Old Testament administration, you would go through up to, the, to Jerusalem. And what happened? You would come back to the same spot again. The following, and you come back to the same spot again. Oh, no. The very sanctuary would be in the midst of his people. And they could be washed in the precious blood of Jesus Christ because every single one of them would be priests. Every single one. Kings and priests unto God. One nation, covenant of peace, sanctuary, and my tabernacle also shall be with them. Yea, I will be their God, and they shall be my people. That's the ultimate, isn't it? That really is. I am their people. I am their God. They are my people. That's the very essence of the covenant of grace. He is our God. We are his people. That's the essence. That's the center of it. And it's not just that that blessing would be set before Israel as a nation, but the very heathen, the Gentiles will hear. And they shall know that I am the Lord. I sanctify and set my people apart out of this world. Even the heathen will know Even the Gentiles. What a wonderful encouragement. It is here for the people of God. For Ezekiel in the Old Testament. As they're down banished in Babylon. But my friend, does it not have the same principle for ourselves even today? If you think of the Lord's people today in this world. All united by the spirit of Jesus Christ. United together in Christ. My friend, what have you got forward to look forward to? You've got to look forward to glory. And in glory, there's the united voice of saints in glory singing the praises in the midst of the Lamb. Absolutely no discordant note there. Total unity in glory. Just as he has taken Israel in the Old Testament and he has blessed them in the, the New Testament that they will be united by the cross. So it is in glory, my friend. God's saints who have gone into glory are united in the praises of the Lamb. Praises of the Lamb. 
they have one king. If the church today has one king, think of what it is like to go into the presence of the Lord Jesus Christ and to behold him and to know him that he alone is king. And you see it in a way that hitherto you've never known it. Never imagined. Jesus Christ is king. You will see him as king over the earth, over his church, and you will see him enthroned as the king over glory. All power in heaven and earth bestowed into his hands. United together, one king, one kingdom. See, it wasn't just that they would be a, a, a nation. It's that they would be one, one kingdom. My friend, that kingdom today spans heaven and earth. The Lord's people, as they leave this world, they enter into the presence of the church made perfect. They see the oneness that there is with the church and glory. The church triumphant and the church militant here and earth. One church. But my friend, you see how he will multiply them and he will set my sanctuary. Even the heathen shall know that I will set Israel apart. My friend, is there not a day coming when even the, 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 the godless will see that God has set apart his people and will bless them. There is a day coming when all, every eye shall see him and every tongue shall confess him. And they shall see and they shall know that Jesus Christ is Lord of all. And they will know, even as the rich man in hell knew, Lazarus was richly blessed, that God had set apart his people for glory. You see, just as the Old Testament saint was able to look forward to the first coming of the Lord Jesus Christ, so the saints today can look forward to the, the second coming of the Lord Jesus Christ. And everything that Ezekiel sees here uh, coming in the first coming of the Lord, so it is that every believer will see, even magnified. Who knows what that will be like? Who knows what that will be like? <clears throat> But every believer can look forward to the day when Christ comes again. And there, God's people will be absolutely united. You know how united they are? They will be described as the bride of the Lamb. Complete. Bride of the Lamb. United as one. As his bride. Washed in his precious blood, perfect before him. United to him as the bride, seeing him as the king, knowing him as the one who has published a covenant of peace. Peace with God and peace one with another. My friend, what a glorious gospel.
what a glorious message Zephyr has. What a glorious encouragement it has to those <coughs> in Babylon thinking to themselves, what about Jerusalem? What about God's cause? We are lamenting because of what's happening down here in Babylon. Then Ezekiel comes and says, you know, we're all like dead bones. And at the beginning of that, when he speaks, he begins to, to speak and says, when the children of Israel ask you, what are these two sticks for? Tell them. These two sticks represent Judah and Joseph. Judah in the south, Ephraim in the north. But they will be united by this one king, in one kingdom. And that will be a kingdom that hath none end. The sanctuary will be in her midst. She will be blessed. Is that not what we would love to see? A great, an outpouring of God's Holy Spirit. And if God's Holy Spirit is poured out upon his church, then, my friend, God's people are united. United in the cause of Christ. They are united under one king. His sanctuary is in the midst of them. They sing his praise. Oh, for such days. Of rich blessing from his right hand. Let us join together in prayer. Let us pray.